really glad that you're here today. I heard a story this week of a, an atheist that was on a hike. And while he's on this hike, he comes in contact with a seven-foot grizzly bear. And he instantly panics. The bear begins to chase him, and the atheist screams, God, help me. And immediately, everything freezes. The water stops flowing. The wind stops blowing. And the bear just freezes in place. And God says, here I am. I'm here to help. Are you ready to believe? And the atheist thought for a moment. He goes, you know, honestly, at this point, I just feel like being a believer now in this particular situation would make me a hypocrite. So why don't you make the bear a believer? Immediately, the water began to flow, the wind began to blow, and the bear began to charge, and all of a sudden, the bear jumps to get him, and he stops mid-jump, stands on the back of his legs, raises, paws to heaven, says, Father, bless this food I'm about to receive. <laughs> Today, I wanna preach on Go Find Simon. Everybody say, go find Simon. John chapter one tells us the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And when he's picking out his disciples. So John chapter one, verse 35. I'm gonna read a few verses here and I'm gonna take some time and explain to you what I feel like the Lord has for us today. The next day, again, John the Baptist, who would be the cousin of Jesus, was standing with two of his own disciples, his interns, so to speak, his staff, his followers, his group. And he looked and saw Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples that were with him heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Verse 40, one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew. Everybody say Andrew. Simon Peter's brother. Verse 41, where we're going to really talk today. This Andrew character, he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him, talking about Simon, and said, you are Simon, the son of John, you shall be called Kephas or Cephas, which means Peter. Now, just to give you a little context, in this passage, we find that Jesus is beginning his ministry. He has been baptized by his cousin John. He has been in the wilderness for 40 days, and the scripture lets us know that he's now returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. The text lets us know that Jesus is walking through the city, which I love that, that we have a God who's touchable. Can I get an amen? Jesus didn't have a green room he was hiding in. And John the Baptist sees him and says, behold, the Lamb of God. John, the two disciples, were standing with him. John and his two disciples that were standing with him, when they heard it, we find that they leave John and follow Jesus physically and spiritually. And one of the names of those disciples was Andrew. Now, what's interesting about Andrew is Andrew seems very, very ordinary. He is left very much in the background of Scripture. He's not included in several important events throughout the Bible, like other key disciples are mentioned. In fact, Andrew 
Jesus' name only appears in the New Testament nine times, and most of those references were in passing by, really quick mentions of Andrew. But what's interesting about Andrew is Andrew is the first disciple to be called out of the 12. And this man named Andrew, once he has this encounter with Jesus, once he has this experience with Jesus, the first thing he did, the scripture lets us know in verse 41, is he went and got his brother. Verse 41 says that he went and found his own. Everybody say, found his own. Now, I need you to hear me today that we are all called to find our own. We are all called, required. If you are a believer in the room, it is not a suggestion. It is a command by our Lord himself that we go and find our own. It's called the Great Commission. Anybody ever heard of it? Did you know that 51% of churchgoers have never heard the term or very unfamiliar with the term, the Great Commission? That means half of the people who are Christians do not know or understand that we are required by Jesus to go and share the good news. Mark chapter 16, one of my favorite verses. And he said to them on his ascension up, he looked at his crew, Jesus says, go into all the and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Andrew has to go to his own. He doesn't necessarily have to go to the world. He just needs to go to his world. Every person has a sphere of influence. And you are required, and I believe it's a mandate from God, to use your immediate influence to change your immediate world for Christ. We have families, we have friends, we have coworkers, we have our own. And you don't need to save the world, you just need to help your world. And so I've been thinking about this. What are some of the reasons why we don't share our faith or invite people to church? I've been thinking about this, and I myself struggle with what I'm gonna talk about today, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. But I think many of us in the room struggle to share our faith. You know that 78% of people who go to church have not invited anybody to church in the last year. 78, almost 80% of the people in this room, according to studies, have not invited anybody to come experience Jesus at church with them. So I, I begin to wonder, why would we not invite people? Why, would, why don't we share our faith? Number one, is the word uncomfortable. We're afraid of what people might think. We'll be afraid of failing and we don't know what to say. We live in a time where there is so much stereotyping and you're afraid that people will categorize you as a Christian or one of those weird Christians on YouTube, you know, screaming on the corner of a school, university with a bullhorn and picketing and screaming, I'm not sure that's effective, but go for it. But there are some of us that are not going to do that. And it's uncomfortable to share your faith. Now, I'm going to be honest with you today. I've been raised in ministry my whole life. I am a pastor, um, been a pastor's kid, been in staff ministry for a while. And I'm telling you, I even hate to tell you this, 
One of the most awkward things to ever do is tell someone you're a pastor. You immediately, it just clams up the conversation. They're like, oh, pastor, I haven't, I haven't cussed in a month. You know, <laughs> immediately people start saying weird stuff to you. And, and, and I remember being on an airplane one time flying back from, I believe I was flying back from Seattle, and my pastor was a few rows in front of me. We didn't get to sit together. And I was reading a book, and I put headphones in, which if any of you know, you put headphones in. That's the international sign of just don't talk to me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm not trying to be rude. I just don't want to really talk. Well, we were, we were sitting in our seat. I was sitting in my seat, and I have two seats beside me still open. I'm by the window. And in come two individuals, last to the plane. We're waiting on these two people, which anybody who flies knows, like, come on, let's go. And they come in, and they are completely drunk. I'm like, please, God, let there be two other seats somewhere else. Well, they come down the aisle, and I'm like, please, God, please, God, no, no, no. Yeah, these are open right here. Sit down. (laughs) So they sit down beside me, and we don't really have too much of a conversation. Well, my pastor gets up, and he's stretching during the flight. And we've been on the flight for like 20, 30 minutes, and if you know my pastor, he doesn't care if people are walking around talking. He'll, he'll talk to you, right? He's just who he is. And he leans over the two of them and says, how are you liking your book while he's stretching? I was like, yeah, it's a good book. And the guy sitting beside us says, he's totally drunk, just in case you forgot. <laughs> the guy says, well, uh, do, you, do you two know each other? And I looked at Pastor Mike and I said, Anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't tell him. You can read my lips clearer than you can watch, and then you can read Nick Saban's on the sidelines. <laughs> or Will Smith at the Oscars. <laughs> you can read my lips. And, and he looks at him and he says, yeah, we're, we're pastors. And I was like, And then he just leaves. And the guy looks at me and says, you're a pastor? I said, I guess. <laughs> I was so uncomfortable because now I got a long flight with this guy. And I just want to read my book. And I'm just shoving those headsets in around him like, do you see this? Well, then he begins to share with me his spiritual beliefs. And as uncomfortable as it was, I begin to listen And because oftentimes we get stereotyped and people don't like Christians and believers, especially a pastor can be really, uh, it's just unique. And so I then shared with him the gospel and shared with him why we need Jesus and shared with him the importance of the, the, that Christ came and died and died for your sins. So you don't have to die in your sin. And I shared with him that either you pay for your sins or Jesus paid for your sins and you have to choose. And you gotta know this before you die. And I had a long time to share the gospel with him and just begin to sow seed into his life. Even though it was uncomfortable, it did not negate the fact that I still had to do it. I didn't have to make it strange or weird. Pastor Mike had made it strange and weird. <laughs> but I just wanted to share with the guy just... Share with him Jesus. Simple. 
Even if it was uncomfortable, I felt required to share with him, especially since the, the conversation went that way. Here's another reason why people don't share their faith or invite others to church is they feel unqualified. Unqualified. Well, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a Bible scholar, I'm not a great singer, I'm not a staff member, I'm not a missionary. Let me help you today. God uses imperfect people to do amazing things. Okay? Amazing things. You're looking at a very imperfect person. A very imperfect person. Look at you like, no. <laughs> Promise you. Ain't that right, Lena? Can I get an amen? But God uses imperfect people to do amazing things. And I want you to understand something is that sometimes we feel the pressure to like sermonize with somebody. All right, let's turn, you're with a complete stranger who doesn't know anything. And you're like, well, I just so happen to have the 1611 King James Bible here. And let's just begin together. <laughs> well, let me help you. Sometimes the best thing to do is not try to sermonize a person, is not to try to share a sermon, you should share your story. Man, I was going through a hard time in my life, but I found Jesus. It changed my life. My wife and I were going through a divorce, and someone invited us to Vibrant Church, and we sat in the back, and, and, and we just, the Word of God just sat on us, and we felt the tears running and our hearts beating, and, and we joined a small group, and our lives have been never the same, have, has never been the same ever since we stepped in church. You should, you should come sit with me. Am I helping anybody? To just simplify that, maybe you feel unqualified, but that still does not negate the fact that God has always used unqualified people to do amazing things. We still have to reach people, inspire people, help people, and I would just encourage you, share your story. Just tell people, I, God touched my life. I, I started serving on the worship team. And I gave my life to Jesus. And, you know, I know a lot of people, you don't got to be churchy. Cut all the church words out. Okay, let me just help you. Cut the churchy words out. They don't understand what you're saying. Well, praise the Lord, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Me and God, we got saved and sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, fire, baptized. Every devil in hell is running away from me. Don't, 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 don't. This guy is holding a beer like, say, what? Chill out a little bit and just say, hey, man, you know, you know what changed my life? Like going to church changed my life. God changed my When I went to church and I said yes to Jesus, it just felt like the world lifted off my shoulders. That would be something I think good for you. You should come sit with me. It's okay. The other reason, another reason why I think we feel, one of the reasons why people don't invite people to church or share their faith is this. We are unconcerned. We don't care. We don't feel the lost. We're not, we don't feel the burden of it. 47% of millennials, which is my generation, believes, Barna, Barna, you can look this up, George Barna website, 47% of millennials, my generation, who are Christians, believe that sharing your faith is somewhat wrong. They believe it is, it is pushing your belief on somebody. Well, let me just say this. Apparently, the world has no care about pushing their beliefs on us. I'll clap for me today. Am I helping you? 
The world has, there's, the devil's not in hell thinking, okay, guys, that's too far. Back it down a little bit. The culture does not care what, they don't care. They want to get in your kids' heads. They want to get in your marriage's head. They want to get in your family. They want to get in the school system. They want to get in the education system. They want to get in politics, but yet can condemn us for sharing our faith. Jesus said we have to go into all the world and preach the gospel, invite people to Jesus, bring them to God, get them in the house of God because time is short. If you had the cure for cancer and you withheld it, you would be considered one of the worst people on the planet. Can you imagine having the cure for leukemia for all these children passing away and you withheld the cure, you would be, that would be like a war crime. Can you imagine if you had access to all food and people were starving and you didn't give it? You have access to living water. You have access to eternal life. You have access to the forgiveness of sin and healing and joy unspeakable and full of glory. We can't keep it back. We can't keep it in. We gotta get it out. We gotta make noise. We gotta win people because I believe it is not a suggestion. It is a command. Andrew, you have a responsibility to go find Simon. Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorite preachers, says every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Every Christian should feel the weight of souls. Every Christian should feel the weight of a lost person. Every Christian should feel the weight of someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ. And notice what Andrew does. He goes and gets Simon, his brother, and brings him directly to Jesus. He brought him to Jesus. People may not be interested in following Jesus because many of us will bring them to the wrong things first. We bring them to church rules and denominations and dress codes and music styles. We just need to bring them to Jesus. I'm convinced that if we could declutter what we've put around the cross, many more people would come to the cross. And could it be that one of the reasons people don't want Christianity is because they have experienced the wrong version of it? Could it be? I heard one person say, say it again, I'll do it again. <laughs> that one of the reasons people don't want Christianity, don't want our God, don't want our church, don't want, don't want that spirit life, is because they have experienced a wrong version, a poor version of it. The Bible says he brings him to Jesus directly. And verse 42 lets us know that Jesus looks at him Jesus looks at him. He brings him to Jesus. Jesus looked at Simon and said, you are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Kephas, or I don't know how to say it. Who cares? But, but which means Peter. Jesus, I want you to hear me today. Jesus changed his name. 
This is where we get, this is where we struggle is religion is often guilty of trying to change Simon. Denominationalism is guilty to try to change Simon. Churches try to change people to fit the culture and what we think you should do. No, no, we need to bring people to Jesus because people still, Jesus still changes lives. That's what we need to take them. Sometimes we want to take them to our, our, our doctrine and how we like to do church and all these things. Just hear me today. It is our responsibility to love people, to bring people. It is God's responsibility to change people. I can't change you, but Jesus can change you. I can't deliver you, but Jesus can deliver you. I cannot overestimate my ability in your life. I can only just present you to the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus gets in your life, you'll lose that addiction. You'll step away from bad relationships. Things will change on the inside and start to work their way on the outside. Come on, church, let's bring people to Jesus. And now I just want to help you today. There are some things that I think could, that, and I took this from another pastor, this portion, uh, that I think are good ways to help you find people and how to invite them to church. You ready? Three things that you need to be looking for that are come sit with me opportunities. This is very simple. If you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write these down. Number one, I'm not in church. You hear somebody say, I'm not really a church person. I'm not in church. Come sit with me. Come sit with me. You're not bringing a debate. You're not trying to argue. Come sit with me. I'm not, I'm not in church. Here's another one. Not going well. Marriage, career, kids. Hey, listen, I'm not a counselor. You can come sit with me. Come sit with me at church. Come sit with me at Vibrant Church this coming Easter. Come sit with me. Here's another one. Not prepared for. I just got married and I'm just not prepared for, for what's going on or, you know, we filed bankruptcy and I wasn't prepared for that. We just had a new child and it wasn't prepared and anything, anybody is experiencing anything new in life, that's a great time to say, come sit with me. Come sit with me. In a few weeks, we have our Easter services and I want to encourage you to bring Simon to Easter. Can you do that for me? In fact, we have a couple ways to do that. So the first thing, I think we have Pastor, or whatever your name is, Jonathan. Pastor Jonathan's your new name. He's not a pastor here, but if he wants to be, he can. We have this. We have these yard signs. I know this may seem small. These are available in the lobby. It's first come, first serve. When they're gone, they're gone. I would love for you to put these in your yard. Invite your community. Say, hey, listen, guys, we're having church. God's doing something great. Put these in your yard. Let somebody know. Hey, we're having Easter at Vibrant Church. And it just is the website. Go to the website. It's just letting people know that we're having church. God's doing great things. Come visit. Come be a part of us. Come sit with me. Here's another one I think we have a picture of, and you may have already seen it. But if you are here today and you want a stencil on the back of your car, yeah, look at those two. Aren't they something? We, I looked outside today and a bunch of, bunch of windshield wipers were up and the team is out there today putting these stencils on the back of your car to saying, hey, come, sit at, come, come to Vibrant Church on Easter. Come be a part of something great. Because my prayer is at Easter, we have a harvest of souls in the kingdom of God. 
the majority of Protestant churches in the United States of America had less than one to 10, somewhere in the neighborhood of one to 10, people commit to Jesus Christ the last 12 months. On average, one. 12 months of a church's life, one person gets saved per year. Now I'm thankful for the one. I'm thankful that God, that that person gave their life to Jesus. But I want more. Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest because the harvest is plentiful. It's out there. But the laborers are few. We all need to be laborers. Everybody needs to carry the sickle. Everybody needs to feel the weight of reaching people for Jesus Christ. And you could have the power of changing someone's life by an invitation, a simple invitation. I'll share with you this interesting story. A man named Edward Kimball. He was a Sunday school teacher who uh, was trying to share the gospel with people, and he had a little class, a Sunday school class, and he felt compelled to go into the shoe store where this young boy in his class worked. And in fact, he was so nervous and wasn't sure, he just felt like he needed to go in there and share with him the gospel that Jesus loved him and he cared for him, and he should just give his life to Jesus. Edward Kimball goes into that shoe store, leads or tells, shares the gospel, leaves the young man there. If you read the accounts, Edward Kimball left and felt that he failed. I failed, I didn't, I didn't even like do good, I messed up, I, I just wanted to help him and I felt like I was supposed to and I failed and screwed up. Well, little did he know that that boy ended up giving his life to Jesus because of that conversation, and that man's name was D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody led one million people to Jesus Christ in his ministry. He started the Bible Institute that still goes today. He started a church, all because of a conversation in a, in a shoe store where the guy actually questioned if he did any good. In D.L. Moody's ministry, in his preaching he reached a man named F.B. Meyer. F.B. Meyer goes into the ministry and reaches people for Jesus. And the story goes that he reached a man named Wilbur Chapman. Wilbur Chapman reaches people for Jesus as well, leads people to Christ, just being a good, solid Christian. And he leads a man by the name of Billy Sunday to Jesus. Billy Sunday, as many of you know, a baseball player ended up being one of the greatest ministers this nation has ever seen. And as a result of his ministry, he reaches a man named Mordecai Ham. And Mordecai Ham, in his preaching ministry, led a man by the name Billy Graham to Jesus Christ. Billy was 16 years old under a Mordecai Ham meeting. One conversation, one invitation. And Billy Graham has reached millions. In fact, he holds the world record of preaching to more live people as a preacher. 215 million people in his ministry live. Millions and millions of millions and millions of people have given their lives to Jesus because of Billy Graham and still do to this day because of his ministry that has continued. And it all started with Edward Kimball. Someone believed in reaching out to Simon. 
You know what's interesting about Andrew? There is no indication that Andrew ever preached to a mass of people. There's no record of Andrew ever starting a church. There's no record of Andrew ever writing a letter. Nothing's ever written in the Bible, no epistles, nothing. But Andrew was a bringer. And Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. And Simon Peter preaches a sermon that's three minutes long in Acts chapter 2 and sees 3,000 people saved. Peter walks on water. Peter lays hands on the sick and sees them restored. Peter begins, is the, is the, the tip of the spear to the New Testament church. And Andrew brought him. You would have never dreamed if it wasn't for someone like Andrew. I don't even know where the church would be because Simon Peter spearheaded the movement of the church. What if you're here because of Andrew? What if I'm here because of him? My final point for you today is this. Andrew, go find Simon. Go find Simon. Now, I don't want you to move for just a moment. When you came in the room, you saw this Easter card. They gave them to you when you came in, I believe. If you have them, wave them at me real quick. You got something? Okay. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pull a pen out on the front of that chair in front of you. Take somebody's pen next to you. I don't care whatever you got to do. I, w- I need you to write, write some Simon names down. Who are people that you're bringing to Easter? It's a simple message today. But Andrew is too important not to talk about. Because like we know how to do church and we could get like caught up in church with us four no more. Because we get how we do church. And, and if I'm this way, I, everybody's got to... We should have a constant flow of people who don't know Jesus coming into this room. So I'm going to give you a few minutes. I want you to write the names of those people down. Go ahead. Some of you are staring at me like. You may be thinking, well, this person I would bring, but they've, they've been to church a lot. You know, they don't know. Let me hear, let me tell you something. I heard this week, it takes a person 25 times on average to hear the gospel before they say yes. So you may be thinking, I've invited him once or twice and Who cares? Keep inviting. Don't stop. Don't stop. Every Simon needs an Andrew. My prayer is today that when you leave this room, you feel a burden for souls. Well, Pastor Ethan, today didn't encourage me anything. I don't feel encouraged at all. I thought I was going to come in and I was going to clap and jump and we were going to have a good... We need to leave the room sometimes feeling the weight of what Jesus told us to do, to go into all the world, find some Simons, and get them in this room for Easter. Get them in this room for Easter. I'll close with this story, and I've told it before, that my dad's, again, he's here. I can't get him to leave for nothing. I mean, my gosh, how many times do I got to lock the door, flatten his tires, like, come on, get out of here. He's overstayed his welcome about five days ago. (laughs) 
And uh, my dad, you know, he's 18 years old, and someone said, hey, you go to church this weekend, I'll never bother you again. It was his sister. And at, you know, 18 years old, he steps in, steps in this church, little Pentecostal church on the south end of Ritman, Ohio. He steps into that church. He's never seen anything like it. He was raised in a denomination where they didn't have any music and anything like this. And when he stepped in, he saw pianos and drums and guitars. And he's like, now this is good stuff. This is good stuff. This is better than all the drugs I took before I came in here. He saw all those Pentecostal people. He's like, everybody else is on drugs too like me. Dad ended up at the end of the service, a man named Wesley Ball from the bottom county of West Virginia, stood in front of the room with about 60 people in a room and said, if you don't know Jesus, I want you just to come up here or say yes to God today. My dad was in the back row. He said, I couldn't look at him for he was looking at me. Every time I look at him, he's looking at me. My dad said his heart started beating out his chest and before he knew it, he walked down the aisle of this little tiny church, got on his knees, gave his life to Jesus Christ. Grandpa Preacher, who we later ended up calling him, Grandpa Preacher was Andrew. They gave Simon an opportunity. Simon becomes a pastor, has five kids, all of us serving in ministry today. Dad has traveled all over the United States singing and preaching. He has made records and albums and whatever they did back in the, back in the day. CDs and tapes and traveled and preached. And God only knows how many people he's touched and changed all because of a simple Andrew saying, you gotta come see this Jesus. Will you stand with us all over the room? Will you do me a favor? Grab that card in your hand. Maybe you don't have a name on it yet. That's okay. That's okay. On the way out, I would encourage you, drop that in the giving container if you have the names because we're going to pray over them. Our prayer team's going to be praying over them. Uh, drop them in the giving container on your way out. We're going to be praying over these on first Wednesday, which is this week. And we're just going to believe God. He's going to do something major. You know, I grew up in church. We always wanted to see miracles, and I believe in that. I still believe in that. I just talked to you about it. But the greatest miracle of all is salvation. And can you imagine? On heaven, could you imagine in a few weeks when you're bringing in Simon? The Bible says heaven rejoices over one. Can you imagine if you had 20, 30, 40, 50? Heaven will be going nuts looking at Columbus, Mississippi, talking about, hey! Father, we thank you so much. Every name written on that paper. We pray that we have a burden for the lost. We pray that you give us a burden to reach people that are far from God and to bring Simon to the presence of Jesus. God, we pray for wayward sons and daughters. We pray for fathers and mothers. We pray for people in the community, people joining us online. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that today, 
we have the responsibility by the power of the Holy Spirit to go and bring Simon to Jesus. Holy Spirit, soften their hearts. Let them be ready to hear a word from you. And God, I pray that we will be laborers in the field because the harvest is plentiful. We have more souls to reach in Jesus' name. If you believe it today, somebody say amen. Someone's going to get saved in the next few weeks. That's the best thing of all. Now, before we go, close your eyes one more time. I can't leave this service after teaching you how to do salvation and helping you without giving the opportunity that if you're in the room today and you don't know Jesus Christ, you know you're a sinner and you're lost and you're just searching for hope and you feel joy in the room and you don't even know how to explain it. Can I tell you we found life? And if you're in the room today and you don't know Jesus Christ, I just want you to raise your hand right where you are. Maybe you've drifted away from God. You need a fresh start to begin again, to start your life over. I want you to raise that hand nice and high. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. I see several today. Several hands today. Several hands today. New life is coming to you today. I'm so proud of you to raise your hand at church. So proud of you. Church, can we pray together? Repeat this prayer after me nice and loud. Dear Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Make me new. Forgive me of my sins. I need a Savior. Lead me. Guide me. Direct me for the rest of my life. And I'm ready for heaven as though I was already there. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Come on, put your hands together. Give God a big praise.